Hey, welcome back to, I guess, another season, another year of Conchas y Contras. I'm Kelly. I'm Janine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's it's been a while. Yeah, it's been, you know, like a year. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to, like, take a break to realize how much you need something in your life. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. For sure. Yeah, and not just that, but sometimes life gets in the way of recording and I mean I feel like after our last episode I feel like we we both were kind of thrown into our like own like life events Mm -hmm. and we had just a bunch of shit going on so we've talked about recording several times before this and now we're actually recording (laughs) so yeah it was just one of those things where we knew like we had to take some time i know personally i had to take some time to you know get some shit together and and figure some things out and and then once we kind of got into that space of taking time it was just like okay so when are we going to get back to recording yeah and it was like okay we're going to do it and then something else will come in <laughs> and i don't know it's it's just kind of tough to like be you kind of just have to do it it's like not even a matter of like I don't know, right timing. Yeah. You kind of just have to make time. Yeah, exactly. And, but not to worry, like, in the meantime, like, we have been going to events together, and we're always talking about how we're going to talk about these events and be like, oh, this will be the next episode. So, yeah, we, like, not to worry, like... We have things to catch up on. Yeah, exactly. We have content that, um... And, like, events and things that have been going on that we, we want to talk about and, you know, discuss. Um, tons of stuff, obviously. It, like, yeah. it's been a while, so there's been things that have been happening. Yeah, for sure. So, um, do you have any, like, things that you wanted to talk about, like, updates, like, since we last talked? Or, like, do you have... Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's been, like, a couple months. Yeah. So, I mean, like, lots has happened. Um, yeah, I got a new job, which is cool to be gainfully employed. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's been kind of an adjustment. Um, just, yeah, working really far from where you live and that kind of stuff. But, I don't know. Not really a lot has, like, been changing. Been trying to, like keep focused and kind of just been grinding away but um haven't really had time to like devote to like my creative pursuits so I'm really Mm -hmm. glad that we like made time to do this because obviously this is like something that I enjoy doing um that we just haven't been able to make happen for a while yeah yeah no I'm really glad that we're back too I've been doing like some creative stuff too and recently I've been getting kind of frustrated and it's stupid to get frustrated over it, but, um, like, lately I've just, like, had this idea that every time I write, I'm just, like, it has to be towards, like, my first book mm-hmm. or, like, for my first, like, collection of short stories because if not, like, what's the point? And mm-hmm. I, it's, like, it's shitty because it's, like, then that puts too much pressure on it. It's, like, oh, everything you write is going to be seen by an editor or agent, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's just, like, I want to write about other stuff. Like, sometimes it's really nice writing about stupid shit that, you know, no one's ever going to see because 
writing you're practicing your writing no matter what you're still practicing your craft even if like it's through a stupid plot or like really exaggerated characters and things like that exactly because at the end of the day you're still you're working that muscle and even like i would say the things that don't work are more important than the things that work because it's the process of getting there and kind of like really like tuning yourself to what you know you like want Mm -hmm. versus like maybe like the first couple things you put on the page yeah i don't know and then there's also the idea that like just because something doesn't work the first time around doesn't mean like you can't come back to it and like rediscover that idea kind of and kind of rework it yeah exactly and that's actually what's been happening recently i've been going through some of my old stories like that i wrote Mm -hmm. in college like in beginning fiction workshops and Mm -hmm. things like that and i'm thinking i'm looking back on those and thinking like these are actually really solid ideas it's just that i you know 18 year old little writer brain didn't know how to convey those ideas but there was something there like there was potential there and it's like now I can come back to those ideas and continue to work on them and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the old adage that like half of writing is really revision. And yeah. It's like happens in the editing process. So, yeah, I think coming back to things, it's important. Yeah. And this like, yeah, it's just like writing, if you think about it, is so wild. And it's so wild that mm. people think it's a very simple thing. All you do is sit at the computer and the words flow out <laughs> and you know the muse strikes you and boom you got like your 300 page novel and you're ready to ship it off to an agent they love it immediately and get no rejections have a million dollar book deal if only (laughs) like in movies maybe yeah yeah it's so funny you say that because like i i had a roommate in college um who was in a stem major yeah obviously stem majors love creative writing majors great you know, it's not like we're at war with each other constantly. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm going to write, I could write a novel. I could write a book. It's super easy. I like, I'm going to write like the best book ever. And I was just sitting there like, uh-huh. Yeah. You, you call me when you, when you get past page two yes. and we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens when you've actually written your first chapter. Oh my, we'll see what happens if you actually finish the book. Yeah. It still could not get published. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I think it's just also because, like, I just watched the final season of Jane the Virgin, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, a writer, which, for the most part, inspires me to, like, actually, like, she's like, I need to stay up writing my novel, and I'm like, you know what? You're fucking right. Like, Mm -hmm. I should write for, like, an extra 30 minutes or one more page, but there was, like, this plot line, I guess spoilers, but not really, but there's, it's kind of spoilery, but Mm. it's been out for a year, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um... It's on Netflix, too, so you So, have basically, no what Kelly is saying is, like, just suck it up. In yeah. Or, like, fast forward a couple minutes. Yeah. You know? Well, not even that long. But <laughs> fast forward 15 seconds. Yeah. But, anyways, like, there's this whole plot point where she's getting her novel out, and the she gets an agent, and they do their revisions, and basically, she's like, I'm putting out your... Um, I'm putting out your manuscript out for auction. And the way that it works is that, like, it works like a digital auction, which most of, like, the people I know in publishing are like, this is not how it works. Like, that's not how fucking anything works. But anyway, she's, like, a 
Like, this is her second book, mm-hmm. and it's, like, the first time she's writing something, like, in a new genre, and she gets, like, a half million book deal, like, in the first There's try. There's no... You'll get maybe, like, a 20 grand, like, yeah. advance. Maybe. 100,000, maybe, if, like, it's a oh, no, really big no, like publishing house. And not even that. Like, if you're a bit writer, like, if you're just starting out, the likelihood of you getting that much is... You have to have had a really good first book, is what I'm saying, yeah. to get, like, half a million. Like, I don't even think J.K. Rowling got half a million no. for, like, the third Harry Potter <laughs> book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's just a little bit, you know, Hollywood stretching some stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, li- like, I actually did, um, and this is also part of the recap, I actually did, like, a mentorship, like, a mm-hmm. six-month mentorship with someone in publishing, and it was pretty cool because like she got to it was like it was really cool because she taught me a lot about um how the publishing industry works but at the same time I felt a little bad because it's just like I'm I don't have like a full manuscript yet so Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the I feel like this internship like the way that it was like advertise is like you're either going to get paired with someone in the publishing industry or a writer Mm -hmm. and they'll help you with your craft but she she helped me more like with the publishing side so since I didn't actually have like a full manuscript like ready to go I feel like I didn't know exactly like the right questions to ask and things like that and it wasn't and and to be fair it's not my fault because for most you know women of color we're not taught how to navigate it's like there's this it's like kind of like a hidden world Mm -hmm. it's an elusive world like publishing is all about connections and Obviously, like, if you're a woman of color or you come from a working class family, you're not going to have those connections, like, straight out the gate. But anyways, what she was telling me is that those advances, if your book doesn't sell enough copies, you essentially have, no, like, you essentially have to pay that money back. back. Yeah. So if you get, like, a $100,000 advance and you only sell, like, $50,000, like, in copies, at least... I'm from what I'm remembering, you have to pay the publisher back that extra fifty thousand well, yeah, dollars. The publisher is the person who sinks all of the costs into yeah. like making the book. So like, basically, it's all a gamble. And like, because currently I'm working in publishing, granted, yeah. like in a very different capacity than like literary publishing, but it's yeah. very much the same in terms of like, if your book doesn't sell, we're not gonna ask you to make another book. Yeah, you exactly. Know what I mean? um, yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, so publishing is wild, and that's something that I've been learning about on, like, my time off, and thinking about writing, and the future of it, and where I want it to go. It's it's scary, but I'm also really excited. Yeah, I know, I think it's it's one of those things where it's, like, it's scary to think about, like, how, like, it feels, like, super far away, mm-hmm. and super, like, kind of, like, amorphous yeah like you have no idea kind of how things will shape out or whatever but no I think I think that like part of the fun is figuring it out and like actually doing the work of like the writing you know like the actual thing better than like all the other crap to like get to where it's a published book or yeah exactly and it, it is kind of crazy, though, that, like, there are a lot of steps. Most people think it's just you write the manuscript and then mm-hmm. you send it off and boom, you're done. But it's like, no, you have to actually mm-hmm. query agents. You know, you have to 
get those agents to then say yes mm -hmm. and then you have to send it out to editors who might say no and then you have so many revisions until they're like okay your book is perfect yeah let's send it out I mean granted they're self-publishing too which is like an avenue that I might like in the future like see mm -hmm. like if it suits more my needs but right now I think I want it since I want it get published traditionally yeah i have to think about all this shit like in the future yeah yeah like i know a couple of people who've done like self-publishing um on like a small scale and, and you know for like them it works and they they're super about it because it's not um like time intensive kind of yeah. I guess. um and it's not as like scary as as like you're saying like having to go through all those steps it's kind of like okay, this is what I want to do. This is kind of how I'm going to go about it. Yeah. Um, and it's still, it, you know, it could be really fruitful for a lot of people depending on what you want to do. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's always an option and something to explore if that's up your alley. Yeah, yeah. for sure. What we're t Basically what we're saying is just go out and do whatever you're passionate about because yeah. life is short. <laughs> True story. Yeah, like global climate change and, you know, death yeah. camps and shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. right around the corner, so you never know. Yeah, exactly. So, do you want to get into some of the events that we were yeah. attending, that we've attended? Yeah, for sure. What do you want to talk about first? Um, I would say, like, let's try to go in chronological order. So, I think, was it April or May that we went to go see? I don't even know how It's been a while. Dude, I have like five brain cells working right now <laughs> my last two brain cells so they're working real hard right now um sorry i did not get very much sleep last night and also like <laughs> just i had a lunch with my family and ate yeah. a lot of carnesada so you know food coma so ice. in the spring let's say we <laughs> it was definitely colder yeah cooler? yeah it wasn't, it wasn't in the 90s so i want to say like March and April would make the most sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we got to see two people that we super admire at the Hammer Museum. And it was fucking free, which... Free 99 is, like, all you have to tell me to get me out of the True house. <laughs> also, highly recommend um, stuff at the Hammer. Most of it's free. Um, you just have to get there early enough to get yeah. his first come first serve but um yeah super cool museum it's it's free to go um you know not not the biggest ucla fan but it's the ucla hammer yeah. museum um thank army hammer the actor and his oil rich family for why that, that fucking museum exists <laughs> um oil money yep. yeah pretty much and also side note really fun friend idea or date idea go to an art museum and just like see how many um art pieces you can like make into a meme like that's one of my favorite pastimes to do it's very great <laughs> i think my favorite thing that we saw there was a, a like sunset colored jacuzzi tub that was like bolted to the wall do you remember this i think so yeah it was like orange it like had gradients of orange to like purple i was like i don't it was just very aesthetic yeah <laughs> I, was, I was just like um i feel like this should be like in a tumblr 
post Vapor with like wave. yeah like with some like grid background in like green and black yeah and have like some like really sad quote like with the letters spaced out yeah like <laughs> some weird uh wave vibes yeah either way so at the hammer museum we got to see two uh people talk and they were roxanne gay and Tracy mcmillan and that was a really fun experience yeah um so they were in conversation with each other for Tressie mcmillan cottom's um book that had just been released mm-hmm. um it, which is called thick um and it's a series of essays um for those of you who don't know her she's in a uh, sociologist i believe she teaches at the university of virginia possibly something specific like the university of virginia yeah city but i'm not positive i know it's in virginia um but yeah it was it was just a very i felt like a very invigorating discussion because they're both friends um yeah and they recently started a podcast together <laughs> i think a couple months ago um which we found out about at the reading which yeah um but yeah no it was it was a really good experience um do you want to talk more about kind of like what was discussed and that kind of thing I think for me, I I found it really cool, first off, that we were seeing someone that we had discussed on the podcast before, because Roxanne Gay, besides writing a bunch of, you know, feminist prose, like, she also did World of Wakanda, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a Black Panther run, which kind of ran in conjunction with Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther yeah. run. So it was like a side, um, for those of you who are in comic are into comic books, you yeah. know, like um, a lot of times runs will intersect with each other or they'll have like offshoot um, backstories for mm-hmm. certain characters. And so uh, Roxanne Gay had done one kind of fleshing out the world of Wakanda, yeah. quite literally. <laughs> um, so it was, it was not the main story of the comic book yeah um but there i like it was almost kind of disappointing it wasn't the main story yeah there's a lot of great stuff in there exactly Um, yeah yeah. you should listen to our other or episode about that (laughs) specifically about black panther and the comic book and then the movie um, yeah because that that run is is quite quite great yeah um and Tanahasi Coates is still doing that comic book, which is you should check out. Currently. Yeah, it's still, still, still a great run. <laughs> so I think it was really cool seeing that, and I think it was really nice seeing two women talk in in such an insightful way. But also, since they're friends, you know, they start off with like talking about how they love home improvements shows on hgtv yeah they're um chip and joanna Gaines. yeah um, yeah, yeah. of fixer upper which was great um yeah the the beginning banter of that conversation and just uh, the rapport you could tell that they had with each other which was very much like established from their friendship and kind of the way that that intersected with like the serious topics that they were talking like like the business end of the reading was very very entertaining um and i don't think you would have gotten that had somebody else been in conversation with tressie yeah exactly and it that talk i'm really sad that i haven't gotten around to getting either of their books Mm -hmm. because i still haven't read them um thick is really good yeah by the way um so i bought 
thick probably a week after that reading. I didn't have enough money at the reading because I'm poor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did buy the book um, like probably a week or so after. And um, yeah, it's it's sociological. So there's lots of footnotes, um, mm-hmm. but it's also very much based in, you know, Trustee McMillan Cottom's worldview and and um, it's just very astute. I don't think. I mean, they made this this kind of uh, point in in the conversation, which is like that you know people are always surprised by like how put together they are because yeah. like they expect it to not be a thing, and they're like, no, like I'm an exceptional person. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Like this doesn't have to do with like me being a woman or a woman of color. Like I'm just good at what I do, and I think that very much shows in her writing. Yeah. Um, and so kind of. Yeah, that that I would recommend that. There's a lot of really good essays for sure. Yeah, there's one on Miley Cyrus and twerking. Oh shit! It's, but specifically, yeah, I don't. It's not really about Miley Cyrus. It starts off with Miley Cyrus, but it's very, it's on point. Yeah, and I think also one thing that really stood out for me in the talk, as well, is that they both mentioned that just because they have this critical acclaim and they have like these recognizable names I would say Roxanne Gay like in certain circles is almost like a household name Mm -hmm. they still have to you know go to talks to make money they still have to Mm -hmm. work you know professor jobs because you know unfortunately it's like money in academia and money in writing is not it's not always like a sustainable like wage So I think that's also something that, like, really stood out to me to keep in mind is just, like, yeah, just because someone is successful doesn't mean that they don't struggle, like, to make their living, which I think is fucking bullshit. (laughs) I think also the point that they were trying to make was, like, um, you know, they can be choosy about the writing projects that they take and what topics they want to cover specifically because they have day jobs that pay the bills and that they can do writing on while writing is very important to them. Writing does not sustain them. Like you were saying, like it's not what's going to put food on their table. And so, um, yeah, just hearing that part of the conversation more so about the turnover rate of needing to produce content Mm -hmm. constantly, especially given, kind of the different avenues of producing content and what that means um quality wise and those kind of things um just kind of the conversation that they're having about that and that being choosy was very important to them yeah Um, especially because i think there isn't like with things like buzzfeed or Mm. just even like like established you know well-known media outlets like new york times like you have to be there's this idea that you have to be on the pulse constantly and that sometimes that means the work is of a lower quality because you can't vet everything and you can't you know really sit with ideas the way that you used to yeah it's like it's it's one of my pet peeves but sometimes like on the rare occasion that I'll check Snapchat, like I'm subscribed to like Vice mm-hmm. and like Me Too and all that stuff. And it's kind of crazy how many typos like and grammatical errors they have in their Snapchat stories because yeah. they simply have to produce these things every single day. 
So it's just like, it's kind of crazy how, and it's just like, and that's just like one of their platforms. Exactly. Like who knows? Like they also have to do, you know, Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, you know, and on top of their homepage. So it, it is kind of crazy how, how much there is like, I feel like in terms of journalism, I feel like capitalism has just embedded itself so much that it's like we have to do things to whatever it takes to make sure that we're the ones that get the engagement we're the ones that get clicks john oliver has a really good episode it's it's a couple of years old but it, it's about how a lot of journalism has been transformed from like doing long-term investigations mm -hmm. to doing whatever grabs people's attention like through clickbait or just like through sensationalizing media yeah, Nightcrawler status, bro. That movie... We The scariest part about that movie is that, like, after I watched it, my friend was like, that movie's, like, basically the American dream, Janine. And I was like, oh, fuck, bro. <laughs> Damn. You're right. It kind of is. But that's scary. But, like, that's what I think of the media nowadays. I'm just like, oh, yeah, we just want to see, like, tragedy porn. And, like, Pretty much. be stressed the fuck out. Which, don't get me wrong, like, there's stuff going on in the world that I want to know is going on. Yeah. You know? Like, the Amazon forest being on fucking fire. Yeah. Um, hopefully it won't be on fire anymore when this is, you know, yeah, published. But, but we don't something know. something has been done. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, I think the sensationalization of journalism and even... I wouldn't even so much say that, but, like, tabloidism and just, yeah. like, that kind of thing is also really big and... Yeah, but either way, it was, like, a really refreshing talk, and we got really close, like, we got, like, maybe second row, so we got to see everything, like, without having to, like, look over people's shoulders and things. I think my favorite thing was, like, how the front row was, like, reserved, and that old white dude, like, after 20 yeah. minutes was like, I'm gonna go up and sit in this front row because nobody else is sitting here, and nobody else thought to do that. Yeah. And I then I love the fact that he was the first one to, like, leap up and give them a standing ovation. That was so funny. That old white man did make, like, a good portion of that. His question was also, like, very funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, kind of oblivious, slightly entitled white dude. But yeah. also was trying his best to learn. So I'm, like, Yeah. I mean, low-key, though, sometimes, like, when white people grab the mic at, like, POC load events, I get so fucking nervous because I'm like, what's what going to come say? out of my mouth? I'm like, I know it's not going to, well, because it's just like one of those things like, God, I hope they don't say something subtly offensive that they don't think is offensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm just like, because the thing is like, sometimes they say fucking wild things. Like, oh, well, that's like that one time the white lady took the mic at the POC event and was like. I, I just want us to really take into account that we're on native lands. And I was like, wait, what? This, Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you. But, like, that just came out of your mouth? Like, yeah. I was, like, a little taken aback. But, yeah, if that's the why you're taking the mic, maybe, yeah. Talk yeah. about how we're on stolen native lands. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it. Or if you're just taking the mic to pass it to someone else. Yes. That is a woman of color. Yes. A femme of color. Someone that is... Probably can speak more to the experience of being a marginalized person. Exactly. Yeah. So next on the things that we did was we went to uh, Chula Vista to do their zine fest. 
Yeah, which was a really cool experience. Um, so it was, what was it? The I don't remember the name of the high school that hosted it. Do I don't remember? either. I just know that it was run by their art club called yeah. the 405 Collective, which I think was, it's really cool that there's a collective at a high school, but. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really interesting because I, we kind of didn't know what to expect when we yeah. got there and it was like a an art walk um they had a really cool setup mm-hmm. in like a diy space it looked like art gallery kind of thing yeah um, yeah <laughs> no so basically um we went down to the san diego area to sell our zines and just make connections and one thing that we were really surprised at is that yeah most of the people that were part of the zine fest were high schoolers which made us like really interesting it was really interesting because they were they were the ones that reached out to us like we didn't know anything about the zine fest or anything Mm -hmm. like that until they reached out to us in the dms so so what did you think was like the most interesting part of zine fest in chula vista (laughs) the dude who cut his hand at our table (laughs) like trying to be cool yeah i think that was probably no i'm kidding um that's we should tell us that yeah. that was definitely like i can't remember very much also of that dude um no um no i just thought it was really interesting like all of the kids i shouldn't say the kids all of the students um at the high school had really really cool zines mm-hmm. um and you can tell they put a lot of work into it and that they took it really seriously yeah um so I was really kind of just stunned by the artwork and the kind of stuff that they had done. Um, and I don't know. I just, I always love going to Zine Fest because of the people and, you know, I, I'm introverted as fuck. So, like, I won't necessarily, <laughs> I try to make conversation, but I also feel awkward. Yeah. Um, so I, I do my best to, to meet and talk with people, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't pan out I think way. we also mentioned this, like, actually in the last episode when we were talking about Zine Fest, where it's like some people will come up. Yeah. And just, like, Stand. you'll say hi to them, and they'll be, like, they'll just ignore you and read your scenes and then walk off. Which <laughs> happened a lot. There was a lot of parents. So, the, yeah, I felt kind of awkward because a lot of my zines specifically kind of have a little bit more mature content, I guess. Yeah. It's not, like, really, it's not, like, horribly bad. But, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I feel like specifically amongst the art community probably not the worst <laughs> but like also parents are weird and i don't yeah. know and, you know i just don't feel like having like their five-year-old picks up my zine and i'm like oh fuck sorry yeah so don't read this this has bad words and, <laughs> you know yeah pretty much i think one thing that i actually really appreciated about most of the students zines were also that they had to deal with like mental health mm-hmm. and depression and it's really nice because it's like when I was in high school, most of that shit wasn't really talked about or it was treated like yeah. some fucking joke. Like, oh, haha, kill yourself. Like, yeah. oh, you're suicidal. Like, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, a lot of kids don't think that depression or anxiety, or even worse, adults are like, you're a teenager. What do you have to be anxious about? What do you have to be depressed about? Yeah. You still have the rest of your life ahead of you. Exactly. So I, it makes me really optimistic about the fact that if these issues get discussed earlier, maybe something can be done, like, at, like while kids are still developing. Because it's just, yeah. like, it's a really shitty thing to come out of your teenage years and realize that a bunch of fucked up shit 
has been like not just I wouldn't say like done to you because like I would say like like a lot of fucked up shit has happened to you or like a lot of behaviors that you don't realize were wrong Mm -hmm. like you realize now and it's like I feel like you spend then like the rest of like your early adulthood or like early 20s trying to undo all that when it's just like if you had just if someone had told you or if you had been able to address the problem in the first place you wouldn't have to spend any time undoing any of that yeah yeah definitely i think especially like like healthy coping mechanisms aren't Mm -hmm. something that's necessarily taught in like schools or on a fundamental educational level kind of like the way that like the food pyramid is taught maybe like teaching people like deep breathing exercises will help you with anxiety yeah that's like taught in schools i don't know um that's just my personal opinion on it um but yeah no i was i was really struck by all of the students work and and kind of how how like i said how seriously they took it yeah um and then of course there were other people who were were non-students who were um zine fest vendors so like other people who were like us that weren't like really uh, weren't affiliated with the high school but were bending and yeah um volunteered their time and that kind of stuff yeah and i think it was really cool and i think chula vista was a really cool location to bend because it's just like it's it's really close to san diego you know large latinx population Mm -hmm. really diverse and also like super fucking close to the border yeah so it was really cool to vend there, and also the day after we got to check out uh, Barrio Logan because that's where yeah. we were staying, and we got to check out Chicano um, Park, which I've been wanting to go to for a while because I've seen the murals. So it was really cool yeah. seeing all that. Yeah, no, all of the murals were so fucking dope. Like just being able to go through and like see all of the artwork and like the fact that. It's both frustrating because, like, where that park is located is so obviously, like, white people push brown people into, like, the worst possible area to put a park because it's yeah. underneath a fucking... It's freeway. underneath two freeway overpasses. Yeah. Um, but just to know that, like, La Raza, like, was able to kind of redo that area yeah. and make it their own and really put pride and, like, soul into it and, like, say, like yeah like maybe we didn't get the cream of the crop area to like put this place and make it but like we're gonna do we're gonna make it beautiful and we're gonna make it like for us you know um which is even more frustrating because now it's getting gentrified yeah because people are like wow look at all this art and all this ethnic stuff that we can just (laughs) co-opt basically um yeah the the i think I think I took a picture of, like, one of the murals that was, like, in between, like, um, like two pillars. And, like, you can see, like, the condo developments in the background. Yeah. Like, down the street. And it's just, like, fuck, dude. Like, nobody who... None of the people who, like, made this shit happen or, like, whose families, like, were a part of that original place, like, would ever be able to live in those fucking condos. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? No, it's just, you know, another... Another, like, sad reality, it's, like, of gentrification is just, like, it's happening almost everywhere. Like, and it just makes me very sad. But we have a couple more events to cover. Um, So we went also to the Festival of Books, 
Which... Oh shit, we didn't tell the story about the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um should we tell that story? <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think of... they're ever gonna listen to this podcast. No, I don't think either. Um, we were at our table and like this one of the other vendors because we at, at our tables at Zinefest we have like a button machine. Yeah. Um, to make like specifically like little button pins, it's really cool for little kids because they can like draw on a piece of paper and then see their drawing be it like yeah. something that they can pin onto their shirt. Um, but occasionally like other people like us that are nerds and like you know like drawing weird shit and stuff and making stuff Mm -hmm. will also make pins and so one of the other vendors was like hey i have these stickers can you make these stickers into pins and i was like well high key bro or like machines kind of cheapy and this is like really thick paper so maybe not but i'll try yeah um long story short like we tried a couple times and it didn't work and then he was like you know what i'll do it myself like i'll cut it and I don't know why, like, he was just very gung-ho about it, and, like, I don't want to say that, like, he was hitting on me, but, like, it was just very strange for, like, he was sticking around much longer than he needed yeah. to for, like, a, for a very cheap button. Um, but he, yeah, he was, like, trying to cut something with his exacto knife and, like, was showing me, like, a bunch of his, like, art shit, and then, like, I guess didn't realize how his exacto knife was, like held in his hand and like sliced his arm open yeah um and then was like bleeding and then just standing at our table it was very strange yeah and i was just like um dude you're bleeding i was like maybe you should get you some paper towels some bandages (laughs) we need to ask someone here for like a first aid kit i know and he was just like i don't know he was just like treating it as like not not a big big deal deal. (laughs) Where I'm like, normally I'd be like, yeah, I guess it's cool that you're not panicking, but I don't want you fucking bleeding all over our table. table yeah, because yeah, like, he was just standing there and letting blood drip off his arm, and I was like, and he was oh just my looking God. at me like, yeah, it's cool, and I'm like, nah, bro, like, can you leave now? <laughs> like, I wasn't even trying to be like a dick about it, but I was just like, you're hurt, you need and like, I'm not, attention. I'm not gonna give you medical attention. This is not how this is gonna go down. I know. I legit think he was waiting for me to be like, I have like a band aid or something weird. Like he was just standing there for a really yeah. long time. But yes, it was a, a strange man bled on our table, um, and then did not get a butt. Yeah, but he gave us some free zines, which was dope. Yeah, he traded and some free stickers. I think. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but zine fests are always fun and good for stories. Yeah, and we're actually going to another. Uh, well, actually, I don't know when this one airs. I'm hoping before we actually go, but we're going yeah. to be attending San Fernando Valley Zine Fest. Yeah, in September. So if you guys are going to be out there, check us out. We will be vending um, and probably posting more about it on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm hoping to have like a new zine out hopefully fingers crossed by then so keep your eyes same, out for that same <laughs> we'll see keep us to that because we might not yeah <laughs> depending so continuing our love of literary shit yep. we went to the festival of books um i love going to the festival of books i always have since i was like a kid um my favorite thing was like always just being like my mom would always be like you get to buy one book because like if she gave me any, like, more lenience, I'd be like, okay, here's, like, 5,000 books that I want. How can you say no to books? I know. Exactly. So, 
we went this time and we actually went to a panel which was the first time ever that i've gone to a panel oh wow and you've gone to the festival books like all the time yeah like pretty much my entire life damn yeah (laughs) i mean hey and we went to a really good panel for it to be your first panel yeah it was so do you remember the name of the panel because i don't um no i do know it was like something something telling your like history it was like yeah storytelling storytelling it was was, like historical storytelling or storytelling to keep like cultural memory Mm -hmm. something along those lines oh preservation of culture there you go yeah so it was really cool um i it was all salvadoran women so i saw a lot of people that i recognized like in the crowd Mm -hmm. because like they're all like central american and shit yeah so it was yady guevara who came from fucking houston it was jessica salgado and um carla cordero carla i want to say that's correct i don't yeah remember but anyways it was really cool uh well carla's from salvi soul so I'm really sorry if I messed Except up your, your name. Last name yeah. But at least I know it's from Sal- Salvi Soul. Yeah. So it was really cool, like seeing all these women talk about how they preserve, you know, cultural memory through different genres of storytelling. Carla has her cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Jessica has her poetry, of course, and Yeti has like zines, and she also does translation work. So. Yeah, yeah and then I think. What was also really interesting about the con- oh, well, first of all, so they they got the opportunity to have this panel, but also this panel was like in the way back. Of, yeah. So the festival of books is on USC's campus every year. It's usually in the main courtyard, um, and like when you're going to a panel, it's usually relatively close to where everything else is. Mm-hmm. This panel was not close to anything. Like we had to look. And, like, search for where the building it was. It was, like, it wasn't even, like, part of the festival. No, like, it, it was, like, in the, like, like, a main street behind the festival. Like, not a main street, but, like, a main corridor Like, we had of to use Google campus. Maps yeah. to find it. Like, it, it was so ridiculous. It was, it was kind of a joke. Yeah. Um, which is to say, like, even when people of color get the opportunities to be at someplace like the los angeles times festival of books yeah they're put in the back corner yeah and they're not much. you know um which i think is bullshit because it was think about like the demographics of south central LA. yeah like yeah um but that's just my two cents about that um what i think most struck me and like hit home was kind of the way especially yeti was saying you know the way that we preserve our our culture and we the way we preserve our our family histories is by telling those stories Mm -hmm. and that if if we don't do it you know nobody else will or worse you know somebody else will and they won't get it right and so it's really kind of important for you know, marginalized voices to really mm-hmm. put themselves in those spaces and take up the space that they need to tell their stories because otherwise nobody's going to know, you know, the realities of yeah. how things are or were or see the intricacies and nuances of stories that they haven't heard. Yeah, exactly. Or they'll try to portray like a sort of narrative. Like, for example, like 
I, I write a lot of Latinx characters. I like I write a lot of Guatemalan characters simply because I don't see them most of the time they're either portrayed of as like a victim, like usually they're, you know, undocumented immigrant, like that have like and it's just like most of the movies that I've seen centering around Guatemalan like people are usually like yeah like fucking like what we mentioned before like tragedy porn where mm-hmm. it's like oh look at how hard these people come mm-hmm. like or have to like look at all these obstacles these people have to face to come into our country and look at how humble they are to be here and it's just like patronizing as fuck yeah pretty much and it's like or it's like the other thing that I see is like yeah like or we're all fucking narcos drug lords and shit like that yeah. and the, or even worse it's like when we're on at the butt of a joke where it's like oh these Guatemalan people don't know how to speak English look at how funny their English is or look at how they misinterpret mm-hmm. these words because they mean some like they sound like something so yeah seeing seeing women Salvadoran women talk about how important it is for them to talk about their culture and the people in their culture and not just that but show that there's a multi like there's yeah. multi-dimensional facets to every single person they talk about it's like super important and i really hope that there are more panels like this in the future for sure definitely definitely and i think to kind of just like it was interesting to kind of see the different perspectives, even of the women that were on that panel, mm-hmm. being Salvadorian and kind of, you know, they all had a very much, like, pride, and, like, that was a big focal point, but kind of even the way that, like, just their vibes are completely different, and so obviously yeah. the storytelling that they're going to, even the avenues, like you were saying, that they tell those stories are, are completely different, and having having those women on board that panel was just very important and the fact that they were all women you know um and i think it also just speaks to kind of specifically this you know current generation of central american writers Mm -hmm. that are really really prominent right now and really that like you can tell especially in like los angeles like there is a core group of you know Central American women writers, and even beyond that, that are are really putting themselves in the forefront and really, you know, making sure that their stories are being told and being heard, yeah. um, and the stories of the people that they love, yeah. which I think is is so amazing on so many different levels. And then when you actually get into the craft of how they do it, is also superb. Which you know, what fucking upper middle class white dude <laughs> can has nothing on that shit you know what I mean yeah exactly and yeah it's really great to see this wave of Central Americans because I feel like and I'm speaking from my own personal experience too I feel like there's this pushback right now that it's like Mexicanidad like Chicanismo is not the only avenue of Latinidad there's so many people Mm -hmm. you know there's Afro-Latinas you know there are there are you know, people from Puerto Rico, from yeah. Cuba, you know, there are people in the Caribbean, there are people in Central America, and there are people in South America that almost never see their stories told because for the longest time it's like, oh, you're Mexican, doesn't matter what country you come from, and mm-hmm. you shouldn't, like, complain that we're calling you Mexican. You Like, it's not a big deal. Like, why, yeah. why are you overreacting, like, pretty much? Yeah. So, 
it was it was great to see a panel again to central like to focus on Salvadoran women because a lot of the times they don't get to have that platform to speak on things like pretty much like most of the Central American events that I've been to have just been created for by and for the community like we have to make our own events to hear our own voices exactly exactly and I think that's that's a big thing too especially with all of those women specifically as well is that they all created their own platforms and that is where they're at now and so yes you know the LA Times you know panel for the festival books is amazing but like all of those women have worked their asses off and like realistically like the LA Times was lucky to have them on their panel because you know that was like a packed panel and like all the people who showed up were like straight up there for the people who were there yeah i mean like the people who showed up were a part of those communities and show up to those other events and those other platforms that they had created and i think that really speaks a lot more to like the movement itself that the these women and these communities are are creating because there are no spaces for them anywhere else yeah exactly and we also got to pick up some poetry books too I picked up so many fucking books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to pick up some books from my nephew, which was nice. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I really I really like going there also to see, like, what some of my favorite um, bookstores or some of mm-hmm. my favorite presses are like putting out that year. Like, I always like going to see whatever, you know, um, Coffee House Press is putting out, Definitely. Red Hand. Not and a cult. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons. Of, yeah. That is, is definitely seeing all of the different, just knowing that there's a community of like literary people out there and that there's things that are so niche. You can always find like, this is kind of something I've been telling a lot of my other writer friends. Um, Cause you know, you, as a writer, as, as people who went to school for writing, you kind of have existential dread about like, I'm never going to get anything published. Yeah. And I just kind of, especially doing zine fests, I've, I've come to the realization, like if you just create the work and that's all you really want is like for it to have a community to like take it in, like that's you, it, it can be found. And especially like going to the festival of books, I think that's true as well. Like seeing all the different types of, of writers and like presses and, you know, bookstores and like collectives, like, there are places for you regardless you just have to find them kind yeah of. because again like i've actually like not this time but i actually have seen booths where it's just like writers will self-publish their work mm-hmm. and pay for a booth and be like yeah this is my book here's what it's about exactly. and basically try to sell it like that so yeah there's i feel like there's just something for everyone So the last event that we went to was also a really good one. It was Love Thyself Festival, which was hosted by Hipiteca, who's a really, they're they're a really talented um, fashion brand, and I really like their stuff so much. Yeah, no, I think the 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 style and like. <coughs> just kind of the branding is is on point and and very i don't know i think they have 
they have their aesthetic yeah down, it's a, for yeah, sure. yeah for sure yeah so it was hosted by hippiteca but they basically had a really fucking good event like list like there were different so they had a bunch of different vendors mm-hmm. who i th- i believe all of them were women i think that was the biggest one of the bigger things yeah she was like this is for the mujeres and yeah specifically like by mujeres for mujeres yeah um which i think is amazing i think we need more more specifically inclusive latinidad women only spaces mm-hmm. um because there's something to be said about cultivating those kind of things that being said it wasn't just women yeah were there but like it was the the it was kind of more so geared towards females. yeah yeah i would say like yeah for sure yeah women and femmes for sure yeah because the thing is like again making your own spaces because mm-hmm. other people won't just yeah. hand you spaces but it was really cool seeing a bunch of vendors um and one thing that i really like is when I recognize a lot of people. Like, oh, my God. Kelly time. knew, like, I feel like everybody, <laughs> like, we would stop every five minutes and be like, oh, Kelly knew this person. And it's like, yeah. it was great because, like, I never go out ever. And so, like, <laughs> it was just funny for me going out to, like, run into all these people and meet all these people through Kelly. Yeah. So we ran into, I want to say, uh, we ran into some cool vendors like Art Kid Shirley. Um, we ran into Brittany Chavez, uh, who founded shop latinx Mm -hmm. we ran into um jocelyn who is another poet that i really really vibe with really like their stuff um i'm trying to think oh um ashley of brown girl travels was Mm -hmm. there too and it was really cool because actually it's really funny because she's having like a collaboration with hepa behavior which was like the booth and they met at Love Thyself, and I got to see the whole thing happen, like, in front of me, where they're like, we should do a collaboration. I yeah. really like your stuff. So I'm like, oh, my God. And that's the thing. I feel like that happened a lot. Well, yeah. For, like, a lot of the people there. It was really a good networking event as well. Yeah, But even sure. just, like, the setup and kind of there were different panels and, like, events. Yeah. And then they had um, some readings and some musical performances, which were really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like there was something for everyone. Um, were there any, like, panels that you really liked or that you stood out? Um, I mean, obviously, I lo- always love when Jessica does a reading and we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jessica Salgado was also at Love Thyself Fest. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Uh, we got to see Hella Spicy do part of a makeup tutorial, which yeah. was also really cool. Um, I really like... Um, her looks so much. Mm-hmm. I'm just like goals. Like one day I hope to do my makeup that I'm like, I can't know. <laughs> I'll try, but nah, I'm yeah. probably never going to be that good. Um, I don't know. I just, I just had a, a fun time kind of just walking around and, and seeing, I think Brujita's skincare was there, which was yeah. also really dope. Kind of seeing all their stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I bought, I bought some chanclas for my <laughs> nephew that were, um, some huaraches that were made yeah. in Mexico. I bought a lot of stickers and a lot yes. of enamel pins. Bought a lot of stickers, <laughs> bought a lot of, uh, art prints. Oh, yeah. I bought some bomb ass gummies that were like pineapple and mango and had chamoy and Ooh. 
I don't remember what like the vending lady was called, which makes me really sad because I want more. But they were yeah. really bomb. Yeah, no, it was it was a really cool event. Oh, one panel that I also really liked was um, Diosa from Locatora Radio. Oh, yeah. Um, she did a whole workshop, basically. It was called Goddess Worship, and it was talking about how there are different dichotomies where it's like the women in your life will get treated sometimes like shit by mm-hmm. the same men that like have the Virgen of Guadalupe like tattooed on their like arms. True story. And I'm like, damn. But it was like also like, how do you worship yourself? Like, how does your partner worship you? So it was really cool. It was a really cool like exercise in seeing what values are important to you and what is important for you to see yourself as like the goddess, like La Divina inside. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated that too. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I think you had gotten there earlier than I did. So I didn't do that, but that sounds dope as fuck. Yeah, I was really sad. But I feel like we're we're both kind of like old people now because we didn't get to see the Hood Witch because oh, we were I know. so tired. And it was, was it on a Sunday? Yeah. It was, a, it was on a Sunday. So yeah. I was like, yo, I got to be up at five. <laughs> yeah. I got that morning AM, like, yeah, horribleness. Yeah, me too. So. And not just that, but it, for me, it was like, I had been there since like 11 and I get super fucking tired. Like whenever I'm in the sun. I was going to say, yeah, it was, it was hot as fuck that day too. Yeah. Um, but it was also at Plaza de la Raza. It was, it was on point. <laughs> also, excuse my way of saying that. I'm like super tired. And my <laughs> math doesn't work. Plaza de la Raza. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in Lincoln Heights down the street from where I used to stay, which is awkward and kind of weird but um (laughs) yeah no it was a good time yeah is there anything else that you think we missed that we should talk about no nothing i could think of (laughs) i mean yeah a lot of stuff has happened yeah a lot more is gonna happen we're gonna keep you updated and yeah we're gonna try to do one episode a month for now maybe kick it up depending gotta kick it up yeah <laughs> um maybe like take it like to bi-weekly mm-hmm. um if we find the time to record and edit and everything mm-hmm. um but i think one episode a month is like a pretty reasonable goal and if we don't achieve that goal you can slide into our dms and yell at us for not keeping our promises feel free give yeah. us some of that like you know um you, you know, t- threaten us with the chunka. Yeah, pretty we'll... much. Yeah, just tell us to put our lives together. You know. So thank you for joining us on this episode. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Guanchas y Contras. And I'm pretty sure, hopefully, no podcast platform has kicked us off. But you can find us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and all that shit. Yeah, wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Yeah. there. And if there's actually, if there's any platform that we're not on and you think we should be on, just let us know. Yeah. And then if you have some time, give us a rating, you know? Yeah. A review. (laughs) Please. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever star count you feel like we've earned. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, hopefully it's five stars though. (laughs) I want it. It's five stars in my heart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But thank you for joining us on another episode. I will catch you in the next one. All right, y'all. Keep it real. Bye.